Welcome to Six Degrees Within YGK, a podcast where we get everyone within the YGK area where we talk about health, fitness, and overall balance of life. I'm your host, Bob Payne, owner of Crossroad Limestone and Limestone Athletics. Hey everyone, welcome to another podcast with Six Degrees Within YGK. Today, we have five-year member, four-year member, Ryan Frazier on. Ryan, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Bob. Always, it's always good to chat. All right, awesome. Um, yeah, like I said, you're, four years or five years you've been here? Uh, it'll be five years this month, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, you, you basically have the whole family out now. Yeah, Kim and I have been official members for five years. Uh, we've had, uh, right now we have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. Um, our 14-year-old was recently in the uh, teens class that was being run during the summer and both of our kids have been in the juniors class which has run on and off over the last three or four years so yeah oh that's awesome um no oh, and i've been wanting to do this podcast with you for a little bit i think we've been talking since the summer yeah um because i'm really interested to hear your story and your background sure. well you're in your some of your views and all that so first let's go into a little backstory of ryan like where you were, like what got you to this point coming to the gym, like say five years ago? Sure. Actually, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll start way back. Perfect. Um, the further back, the longer the story. I love it. Sure. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 47 years old, uh, born and raised in Kingston. Um, went to school here and then went, uh, went to Queens. Um, was really active uh, in my... Well, most of my childhood from age eight to 18, I was pretty active in bike racing, uh, skateboarding, uh, basketball, that kind of stuff. Um, I met Kim in our teens, and then we went off to school. She went to Western, I went to Queens. Okay, I didn't know you went to Queens. Huh? Yeah, so I went to Queens, uh, then we finished there. Um, kind of parked the whole like racing and, and sports and whatever just to focus on schooling. And then, um, so I, I took geology in, in university and went to um, Calgary shortly after graduation. Uh, Kim came with me. Um, we spent um, a summer there kind of wandering around trying to figure out, you know, what we were going to do. Um, this was 1998. There was a lot of, uh, so Calgary's an oil, an oil town, obviously, and I, I'd gone out there trying to find work there. Was that right before they had that first big boom, or so the? I, I think the boom you're thinking of is in the 80s. Oh, okay. Or but I, th- I thought there was a big one in the 90s there. No. There was one in the 90s, and it, it, the price of oil bottomed out in around 1998, right when I moved out there. Perfect timing. Yeah, and so I couldn't find work, and so I ended up going back to school. Um, uh, so did a, a few more years doing another de- geology degree out in Calgary, and then joined. Um, a super major oil and gas company in 2001, 2001 or 2002. Um, so yeah, so that right around then we focused a lot on uh, my schooling. Kim was working, and then once I was done my schooling, we would uh, I, or basically I was, you know, jumped head first into oil and gas work. And Calgary is very much a uh, a work hard, play hard city. And yep. so, you know, long days at work. And, you know, maybe on the weekends we'd go snowboarding or, 
bike riding. They got a great path system there. Um, we lived close to downtown, so we would walk pretty much everywhere. Um, yeah, it, it, we didn't really have like, we weren't focused on like either a sport or a particular like um, working out kind of style of life. It was mostly just working hard and you know on weekends playing hard. Yeah, so was, basically like there was no major balance of life yet. It was not in your scope yet. No, I would say our, our life was very focused on career. It was very focused on nurturing our network. Um, Calgary is very much a city where nobody is actually from Calgary. So like if, if you want to make a go of it, it's really good to, to work your network because there's, you don't grow up with a network in Calgary because nobody grows up there. Yeah. So you all have to, it, there's a lot of hustle going on and it's, it's a great lifestyle when you're young. It's really fun. Um, you know, I would work for probably nine, close to 10 hours a day and then I'd go to the bar or to a restaurant with, with friends who are also in the industry and, um, you know, network and tell stories and, and have fun and whatever. And it was a, it was a great time to be, and that was, you know, like I say, early, early 2000s. It was a great time to be 27 and a professional in, in, in Calgary. Yeah. So, yeah. So then Kim and I had, we got married in 2001. We had our first son in 2007, our second in 2009. Um, the industry was kind of going through a bit of a sketchy period during 2008 and 2009, which was yeah, the, the, the financial, yeah. financial crisis. Um, I saw a lot of people, probably about 20% of my peers were laid off. And it kind of made us kind of rethink a lot of things and what we were prioritizing. Like we were, um, you know, we were, making a pretty good living and we were saving a significant amount of it because we kind of knew that Calgary was a boom and bust town and we wanted to just prepare for the next bust. And 2008 and 09 felt like the next bust. Yeah. And then, you know, like I said, a lot of people were laid off, a lot of good people were laid off. Uh, some of them became realtors and others became, you know, business owners and whatever. So people so who some were... Some went back home too. Like some went back Newfoundland to Newfoundland or yeah. back to the Maritimes or yeah. a, lot of, a lot of Maritimers out there yeah. were going back home. So then uh, we kind of made the decision that when things rebounded, we would uh, look into coming back to Ontario. Um, both our parents, both our sets of parents were here. Um, we kind of felt like now that we had kids, we kind of wanted to downshift a little bit and we wanted to focus on making sure, you know, we had spent whatever that was, seven, eight, nine years on, on building our career, building a bit of a nest egg. And then we wanted to kind of downshift, get closer to family. You know, our parents are getting into their older years. Um, they probably want to see their grandkids. Yeah, they, they were seeing their grandkids once or twice a year, and we thought that just was not enough for them, and it wasn't enough for us to, to... We didn't also... You know, it's one thing to have a great friend network, but you can't really ask your friends to look after your kids while you go out, yeah. you know, for a, a night out. Yeah. Um, that's kind of something that you kind of do with your, your family. You don't do that with your friends. And so there were... There was probably two or three years where Kim and I just never went out. We were always home. Okay, I was just about to ask, were you guys still living the Calgary lifestyle, like the stampede lifestyle of going out? Uh, that we, slowed down we, once the kids came in. Yeah, once the kids came, the lifestyle was different. It wasn't out drinking and partying. It was going to 
petting zoos and and whatever, which <laughs> yes. which is which is fun. Yeah, but but totally different. But yeah. totally different, and we, um, yeah, we wanted to be around family. So in 2011, we kind of made the decision to test out coming home for a year. So we took a year's leave from our jobs in Calgary, just to just to test it out and see. Uh, we didn't tell our parents that we were, we were test driving quitting Calgary. We kind of just told them we were decided to take a leave of absence. Like a little sabbatical. Yeah, so we did that for a year. And in 2012, we made a decision to stay. And so we basically resigned from our positions in Calgary and, you know, started over, I guess. Um, yeah, so we had, um, you know, we had sold a, we bought a house in 2002, sold it in 2011. We did fairly well financially from that transaction. Because um, Calgary grew a lot in that time too, right? Because they say the footprints of Calgary is like the same size as Toronto. Yeah, like, when we moved like out a, there, I think they said there was 800,000 people there. By the time we left, it was 1.1 million. Yeah. We, we were there right during like a huge boom uh, in population and in economic activity and, and all like, that. Like they build big houses. It's not like, like they go big. Yeah, I think the term McMansion is is almost every house that was built after 2000 was was these like 2,500, 3,000 square feet, like nice houses, but put up very quick. Maybe not as uh, you know as customized as as people would have had uh, two decades prior but going for like half a million to a million easily just to start. And back then, that doesn't sound like a lot today, but back then that was a lot. Yeah, that was, that a, was a lot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, even three years ago that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lot. I mean, housing, housing prices in the last few years has been everywhere in, in Canada has been, has been on a tear. But back then that was 500 to 750 or whatever was quite expensive and they were going up and, you know, there's a lot of wealth in Calgary and people were buying big houses. So anyway, we didn't buy a super big house, but we bought a, a nice house in a nice neighborhood. We did fairly well on it. So we were able to, we had a nest egg that we could kind of coast on for a little while. Um, so Kim's now, Kim's been working. Um, I had a job for about a week and I, it just didn't suit me. And so we decided that... Was, was that still in geology, like basically? Yeah, it was a geology. It was an industry related one that, believe it or not, there was one here. There was a company here in Kingston that worked, that did some consulting work for a lot of big companies around the world. I worked for them for a week and just realized it was not a good fit. There was a reason that we kind of left Calgary and left, that I left the business. Um, you know, part of it was to be closer to family and part of it was my my desire and what I wanted to do in my career wasn't, there weren't those options for me in Calgary or at the business I was with. And then the one that was here that I kind of test drove for a week didn't feel like a good fit. So we didn't, you know, in the short term, we didn't need the money. So I just kind of felt like, you know, why, why stay with something if I was going to be happy, unhappy with it. Yeah, and then that's a huge thing. Cause I have noticed that especially in the last couple of years, why do you stay with your job if you're unhappy? And some people are like, well, I just got to wait it out for a couple of years and then my boss will be gone and I get the big pay raise and stuff. But I think more and more you're starting to see that, like choosing happiness, your own mental health, which is a big term now, over sticking out like a hard job and grinding to the ground. No, that's great. Yeah, no, we, we, um, we definitely have, have changed our our style of living. Um, I shouldn't say we've changed that much because we, 
you know, we lived inner city. We only had one car when we lived there. When we came back here, we could have afforded two cars, you know, after selling our house, but we, we chose to just stay with one. Um, we now, like Kim works and I don't. And I haven't, like, when I say works, I mean, I, I don't have a traditional job. I have, we have a bit of a portfolio of, of investments that I kind of manage that generates a little bit of income. Kim's salary um, uh, is enough for the four of us to get by on. And that's kind of what we, that's how we live. Um, it, you know, I make sure all the errands are done during the day so that when Kim gets home at night, we have time to ourselves and to the family. We can just relax and enjoy the time with each other. Yeah, and so we can come, you know, to the gym or to, or we go out with the boys or, or whatever. Um, the, you know, the meals are all made before they go off to school and before everyone comes home from school or work. I've pretty much got all that, you know, tidied up. Um, it's a little bit more, like, you know, it's kind of like the traditional nuclear family of the 50s or 60s where, you know, the mom stays at home and the dad works. We just have switched the roles and it seems to be working fairly, fairly well. Um, I spend a couple hours a day maybe just you know, monitoring the stock market and looking at our investments and seeing, you know, if, if there's anything I want to adjust. Um, but for the most part, it's, you know, I'm busy trying to make sure that the boys' lives and Kim's needs are being taken care of. Um, you know, it, it's, we got, we, we got really lucky with Calgary uh, when, we, when we arrived or when we bought a house and when we came back because we're now... Um, you know, financially a little more flexible than, than most families would be at, at this age. Um, but it's worked out really well for us. I mean, obviously, we're closer to family now, so we can, you know, check in on them, make sure they're doing okay. And, um, yeah, so. Well, and yeah, you're saying you're more flexible now, but then you also put in the time and work there for probably about 10 years being out west. And living in Calgary was not like a... Like, even though you played hard, but it was a very stressful environment. Because when I was living out west, we dealt with a lot of the people coming up from Calgary and stuff. They just made it seem like, yeah, it's go, 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 Monday to Saturday. Like, you are nonstop going. Yeah, it was, it, it was very much like that. Like, I, um, we were not the commuting type, but there were people that lived out in the burbs, and they would commute for an hour and a half to get downtown, work for eight hours, and then commute an hour and a half back. So I can understand some people were just like, you know, they'd get up at five, be on the the LRT at six or six thirty, be in their office by eight, and then they wouldn't get home until seven at night. Um, so yeah, it, it we, we weren't quite that. Um, it wasn't quite that go 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 for us because we were closer, like living in our city. But you know, if you add on the commute, uh, yeah, I could see how those people were just constantly going. Calgary is very much a you know, type A personality kind of yeah. very, you know, very, you have to be aggressive to kind of get ahead and everyone wants to get ahead there. So it's, it's, like I said before, it's really fun when you're young. Um, if you're trying to kind of have life balance, there's not, it's hard, to, it's really hard to do. So. No, yeah. that's, now, when you guys came back here, what was kind of like the big moment where you like, you know what, like you decided you're just not going to, like go back to work or find anything like that. Was there like one key moment that flipped that? Were you guys going to live more like a more flexible happiness lifestyle with less um, material items around, like less needs, right? Yeah. Just keep it simple. Was there like one big moment that changed that? 
Or was this kind of like an evolution of the Frazier family going from Calgary, moving back, downsizing? I think we always, I mean, we, we owned a modest house in a higher end neighborhood in Calgary. We always wanted, we, we wanted, we've always thought about setting up our life with as little maintenance or liabilities as possible. So, you know, owning a bigger house just means you have to fill it with more stuff or owning a... It just increases the bills. Increases, you know, the, the heating bills, increases everything, right? You got to buy twice as many sofas if you're, if you're um, you know, if you got twice as big a house. So we always kind of wanted to, you know, be financially independent and we wanted to, you know, have the flexibility to either travel or go wherever we wanted, or, you know, to downshift and, and step away from work if we wanted to. Um, and we always saw Calgary as a great opportunity. It was a great town. I love Calgary. Um, but we always saw it as an opportunity to, you know, make a bit of money. We knew it was a boom and bust town. So to leave was kind of always in the plan. We kind of knew that we weren't going to retire there. Um, it is an expensive place to live. You can make, you know, a, a good living there, but it's hard to... I would find it hard to retire in Calgary. It'd be like retiring in downtown Toronto. It's like it—it it seems like it would be an expensive way to live, just because of parking and, you know, um, the cost of just lifestyle is, is quite high. So we always wanted something a little more simple. Having grown up in Kingston, we lived out. I lived out in uh, Bay Ridge. I actually, live out in Bay Ridge now. Um, it was a great, great way to live up, or, or a great way to grow up, or a great place to grow up. Um, you know, neighborhood was pretty, pretty quiet, and uh, yeah, it was you know slow going, which is good. I like that, yeah. so worked out. Now, moving into Kingston, you guys are hanging out here, simple, simpler life. Um, when did you start looking to CrossFit, or like what got you into thinking more? Because you didn't really, well, I know you haven't said this, but you didn't really. Um, work out out west you didn't really have that active lifestyle other than going away on weekends and stuff when did that start to change like you know what i want to start thinking about my everyday activities and then the whole nutrition because i know that's a big important part of your guys lifestyle yeah so when when i grew up um because i was always active i never really kind of worked out or had like a training plan i was just you know when i was bike racing i would just wake up and get on my bike and ride it all day and then come home at night and do it again the next day. Um, I always thought I was in fairly good shape in my 20s because um, I walked to work. Um, I never really gave it much thought, but, I, you know, I was... I, I kind of came to this realization a few years ago that I thought I was maybe two or three weekends or weeks away from being back in top shape. You know, like, like I felt that I wasn't as unfit as I was. Yeah. I get what you're saying. The, li yeah. the lifestyle of like going out, you know, uh, pizza and beer or poutine or whatever was my regular diet. Um, never really worked out much at all. We had moved back here, same thing. Like we just kind of carried through the whole, you know, hamburgers and, and pizza and pop and whatever that was. Whatever tasted good. Whatever tasted good. The kids good. are young, so what's ever convenient for them to yeah, get by. Yeah, exactly. I started feeling around the age of maybe 40, uh, started feeling like, you know, maybe a little more fatigue. I wasn't quite feeling right. I had had a bunch of, you know, kind of health issues that I hadn't really thought much of. 
So I had almost constant uh, bronchitis. I had, um, I was one of those guys who could tell when the weather was changing based on my ankles and my knees. And um, I had allergies, uh, stuff like that. And, and, I, and, and I felt like I was just getting older and I didn't feel like I was that old. How old were you? I was about maybe 40-ish. Okay. And I went to the doctor and said I wasn't, that I just didn't feel right. And the doctor said, well, Ryan, you're not, you're not a young man anymore. And that kind of made me, uh, I didn't care for that comment. And I felt like that was, you know, and she didn't really give me a lot of, I think she gave me something for my, I, so my bronchitis is why I was there specifically, but I told her about a few other things. And she said, you know, you're not a young man anymore, Ryan. And I just kind of felt like that wasn't a good enough answer for me. Oh, there's, that's just kind of like, well, just deal with it, right? Yeah, like you just have to accept that this is how you're going to feel from here on in. And that didn't really work for me. So I started, I started jogging. Um, I got one of those like elliptical things for the basement. Um, started Do you still have that? No, I got rid of that. Okay. Because no. I've seen your basement like on Zoom and yeah. all that. Like you got a pretty decked out basement gym. So. Yeah, yeah. We've kind of accumulated a few things over the years. But... So anyway, I started kind of working out uh, kind of on my own. And then I think I came across like the, the, the 2015 like Netflix CrossFit uh, movie. Like, like um, Road to Fittest is one of them. One or of like, those, yeah, 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 one the, of those. I know what you're like talking the, about. Like the CrossFit games of There's 2015. A few of them, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I was like, holy cow, like these guys are like superheroes. Uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. And I think they had a little showcase on kind of the um, – uh, like the masters athletes, and they showed like people in their 50s and 60s doing it, and I thought this is incredible. Like, I'd never heard. I think I had heard of CrossFit, but I never really knew what it was. So we kind of, you know, decided. I it took a lot of kind of arm twisting to kind of get both of both Kim and I would kind of take turns every week, kind of saying, "Hey, we should go do this." Well, I'm going to jump in there. I remember you coming into the gym a couple times. You're just like, I just want to talk. I want to see yeah. it. I remember like the first time it was like, yeah, let's get you try a class. Then you want to come in, just kind of talk more. I was like, no, dude, like come yeah. in. Like to me, that was like that young, immature mind. It's like, dude, just come in, shirts off. But like looking back at it, I totally understand your approach. And that helped me become better as a coach versus like, hey, just come in, work out. The magic's right there. Like yeah. I had to kind of show you more, right? Yeah, I'm a very analytical person, and I kind of yeah. like to do my research before I do anything, which is probably, you know, it, it can be a, a positive and a negative. It kind of held me back. Pro it probably held us back probably close to six months. Like, after we saw this, like, I probably saw this, we probably saw this Netflix documentary in the, in the summertime, but it wasn't November until we came and joined because yeah. I wanted to make sure it was the right decision, you know, kind of like analysis paralysis kind of thing. Yeah. Um, well, it is an investment because it's not like you show up, you can kind of do this for a couple of days and be like, oh, yeah. not for me. Like, it, it is a time investment. Yeah. So, so we got started five years ago um, coming to CrossFit. Uh, if you watch any of the videos on especially the mid-teens, like mid-2000-teens, um, they talk a lot about paleo and zone and, and all the different kind of um, diets you can use to try and optimize your performance. And... Probably about six months in, uh, we had cut out sugar. You know, another six months, we kind of migrated to more paleo, so we'd cut out grains and 
and you know seed oils and processed food and all that stuff and um, yeah so we're now I, I would say we are still paleo is kind of how we eat we yeah. we um, are we're not strict but we have no desire like I don't feel like I'm missing out by not having a frozen pizza on a Friday night no. um, some people may um, but I think we've just kind of gotten to a point where this is how we live and the benefits have been great I mentioned all those kind of ailments that I had before um, my bronchitis went away pretty much as soon as we cut out sugar um, my ankles don't hurt during the cold weather or the uh, well, rain. The yeah, the swelling will rain. be down. Yeah, yeah. so um, I kind of latched onto the whole idea of inflammation. Yeah. So I was eating a diet that had that was causing my body to be inflamed, and so I recently, about in the spring of this year, decided to try the carnivore diet. So that's kind of like the, you know, if you go paleo, it's kind of like the ultra paleo it's kind of like going hunter gatherer where all you're doing is hunting and eating meat kind yeah. of style now um, be, before we get into the current carnivore i definitely want to jump into that now the one thing like have you noticed over the years how the paleo diet has kind of changed because i remember back in like in the like 2014 2015 paleo was like the talk right everyone talked about the um the zone diet if no one's ever heard of the zone diet it's almost like um it's almost like um, macro diet, right? Because you have these blocks. Yeah, it's 40-30-30. Like yeah, right? it's a, basically just it's a macro diet. Like you set it up. Now, I always found there was a lot of issues with that because there's like eat, eat, hot dogs can fit into your zone diet, right? Because even on like the original prescription of – I forget who wrote the zone diet. Gary Tubes? No. Mm, no. I um, can't remember. Yeah, but anyways, then the paleo diet, because everyone was hardcore paleo, and then CrossFit got into paleo, and they're so, um, when they're doing the paleo, it became like almost blasphemy to have carbs, and everyone was kind of like that anti-carb, and it took a while for people to start to come back around. Did you ever notice that with the paleo? Like, did, did you ever see it? Because when you hang around with a lot of CrossFit people, people are like, well, I want to get a cheeseburger, no bun. Like, they were just weren't eating enough in the paleo diet is basically what I'm saying. Did you ever see that? And then now it's kind of come back where people can eat paleo. But, like, to me, paleo is just meat, vegetables, right? And it's, like, no processed food. But a lot of people were, like, you couldn't – it was, like, a, it's almost like a keto diet, right? Yeah. We don't – I don't fuss too much over macros. Um, there was a time when, like, I would – I would typically chart my or, or track my macros for maybe a week at a time, maybe once or twice a year. Yeah, I do and that. I, yeah. And I st and then that's and then I stopped doing that because I fussed too much. And I just I would you could probably check my macros and probably three or four days a week I'm eating probably a keto style diet. Yeah. I don't really eat a lot of carbohydrates. I don't feel I need carbohydrates to to perform really well. Um I actually fast on Mondays to like full on fast. So for 36 hours. So I eat, eat up until like seven o'clock on Sunday night. And then I start eating again on Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Yeah. Um, I do that every week just kind of to maintain metabolic flexibility. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it seems weird until you do it for a while and then it just becomes, comes common. Comes the norm. Yeah, so I can come in on Monday. I came in this past Monday, and I thought I did fairly well, you know, performance-wise on a workout. I don't feel like you need carbs to 
perform super well. And that's kind of blasphemy amongst some people. And, and you know, I think unless you try it, it's hard to, it's hard to tell. Well, and that, that's a great point, what you just said, unless you try it. Because I think with nutrition, everyone should try different things. Because, like, a lot of people kind of knocked paleo, like, well, where's the carbs? So it's like, no, you still have carbs. It's just you're switching out the bread, right? You're just going to eat uh, more cauliflower, more potatoes. Yeah. And then rice became. But, um, but then there's also the carnivore diet. So I want to hear what you think on that because you did that back in the spring. I remember you did a great post on Facebook kind of breaking it down. And I think that's a, that was awesome because a lot of people will kind of knock a diet before they try it. Now, the carnivore diet's not for everyone, but you don't know until you do a little bit more research into it. Yeah, so, so I tried it in the spring. The concept of the, of the carnivore diet is not much different than the paleo diet. The idea being that maybe 150 years ago, nobody ate processed foods, right? So that's kind of the sort of the paleo diet, that everything that we eat now is that's processed, like seed oils and grains and all that stuff. We hardly ate any of those things 150 years ago. If you go back furthermore to, say, 10,000 years ago, uh, which is like the advent of... of uh, agriculture. Prior to that, we were all kind of hunter-gatherers for up to you know 300,000 years, depending or two million, depending on where you draw the line of when we became human. So our DNA has been the same for all this time, but we've only been eating kind of modern processed foods the last 150 years. So if you take paleo the extra the extra step and you go into carnivore, it's basically what you know hunter-gatherer communities would have done is they would eat a eat an animal and they would eat you know, nose to tail, and, you know, the, they would eat uh, fruits or vegetables that they could find, right? They wouldn't grow them in, in their backyard, um, and they may go for days and days without actually coming across any uh, of those kinds of foods. Well, it would be cured meats, right? They would dry yeah. the meats out. Well, even cured is kind of like a modern Yeah, okay, modern like idea, salted, right? like... Yeah, I mean, the idea being that they, they would maybe, you know, take down a, a woolly mammoth, they'd eat it for a couple of days, and then they maybe maybe go for another week before they catch another one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they would probably just eat the eat the meat. So we're, you know, I, I buy into that, 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 that we have evolved, we as humans have evolved to eat like that. So I, you know, we we kind of tried that for two months, or so. Like that um, was the whole family on board. I knew you did it. I I didn't know Kim was. And so the kids. yeah, Kim wasn't right on board the whole. She wouldn't. So I make up pretty close to eighty or ninety percent of the meals at the house. So she kind of you know ate whatever I made, and then she would kind of supplement with whatever we had for fruits or vegetables. Um, and, you know, I would say, you know, she probably ate 80% of whatever I ate. And for, the, for that month or two, I had pretty strict carnivore diet. Um, pretty, I had no fiber in my diet for two months. Um, the first week was a bit kind of rough with, you know, gut issues. But after I kind of adapted to it, by the second or third week, I was, I was fine. Um, my sleep was a bit disrupted, um, because, probably because of lack of carbohydrates. But again, I adapted fairly quickly to that. Um, did you ever get like, like hunger? Like you're like, I'm just really starving. Like, like were you still able to focus throughout the day? Like have little dips in energy? I think because I was already, because I had already been eating paleo for a while. And, um, like I said, I had been fasting once a day or once a week rather for like almost two years, I was already fat adapted. So if I wasn't, you know, eating, my body just kind of naturally starts 
you know, awesome. using body fat as it as its as its fuel source. Yeah, it wasn't that big of a change. So it wasn't a big of a change for me. I think if you were to jump like from modern, you know, standard American diet into uh, carnivore, you would probably have a huge, like you would notice a big reaction. Withdrawal, like headaches and all that. Yeah, so keto flu and all that kind of stuff yeah. that, that people talk about. Um, so, you know, it, it worked for me. I, I would say today I'm probably, I like to say I'm, I'm paleo, but I'm animal-based. So I eat pretty much meat with every meal. I still skip the odd meal just for kicks. I, I fast on Mondays. Probably 80%, 80 to 90% of my calorie intake is from animal foods. Mm -hmm. um, I do have dairy. Um, some people who kind of eat this way uh, take it out. I think many people who debate paleo would, would say if you're eating dairy, that's not paleo because that's more of an agricultural um, thing. But, but, but uh, I... I have it. It works well for me. So, and I've, you know, I find my sleep is, my sleep is great. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I was mentioning all the things that went away um, when I kind of went, when we started eating, eating paleo. And one of the last things that went away was I had, I have arthritis in my shoulders, or at least that's what the doctor. I was did. about to bring that up. My, my doctor told me that I have arthritis. I went in for, I thought I had done something to my shoulder and, um, about two or three years ago, and I, you know, had an MRI or whatever, and they said, well, it's, you know, you've got uh, tendonitis in both your shoulders, and you probably have arthritis, and I said, oh, well, that's not great, and um, so I've always, you know, whenever anyone asks, you know, I always just say I have shoulder issues, because I'm not convinced that they've, they've completely um, figured out what is wrong, but what I do know is when I started eating carnivore, after about a month, I said to Kim, you know, one morning I woke up and said, hey, uh, I just noticed I don't have any pain in my shoulders. And I used to wake up pretty much every morning with pain in my shoulders because I'm a side sleeper. So, um, you know, carnivore is like a, an ultra low inflammation diet. Yeah. Yep. You know, there's, you know, you're eating pretty much nothing that causes inflammatory response within the body. And I and that, to me that was just like a wake up call because I had spent two or three years trying to sleep on my back, trying to. You well, know. I remember you coming in here like we had to modify a lot of movements, right? Yep. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going to ask like, are your shoulder injuries and all that? Because like this is just my own antidote. Um, well, like I know that people carry a lot of inflammation in their bodies and their shoulders, right? Yep. And one thing I have noticed like this is not a knock on vegetarians or vegans or anything like that, but they have a lot of shoulder injuries. And one thing I've noticed with them too is that upper body strength, like they, have, they struggle more with strict pull-ups and things like that. And you do see a lot of that. Now, I'm not saying vegetarian, you're going to have shoulder injuries and you can't do a strict pull-up, but it's just something I've noticed. They're more prone to shoulder injury than non-vegetarians. Yeah, I, well, I would say, you know, like, like I said, my shoulders have never felt so good in probably five to 10 years. And I'm stronger than I can ever remember. Uh, I'm hitting PRs the last couple of months still after being here for five years and being 47 years old. Like, like, I'm, like I'm not buying the um, you must have carbohydrates or you must have a certain diet. I think everyone needs to find a diet that works for them. 100%, yeah. And I, and I think I've been fortunate enough to, you know, 
been tinkering for four or five years now. Um, you know, you have to be patient and try it out, and 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 it's we seem to have so found something that's working. And and you know, all the different things that I had issues with five, six, seven years ago, for the most part, have gone away. So I still wake up a little sore on my on my shoulders, but I would say 80% of the pain that I was getting that I was experiencing before, uh, I'm not experiencing now. So. No, it's true. Everyone needs to kind of play around with their diet because I do think paleo can work great for some people. If people, the younger, like in their 20s, doing high-intensity CrossFit-type training, which is like very potent exercise, doing like a full-on carnival diet might not be enough for them because they do need carbs. Um, some people adapt better to carbs. Like I would say, like my body always kind of feels a little better when I do eat a little bit more heavier carbs. Not heavier, like like starch, but like if I do have like more rice in my diet and stuff like that, then someone like Tara, Tara's, Tara's my wife, the opposite, right? And when she has more carbs, like she feels more bloated and like I'm the opposite if I don't have a lot of that. But what I'm trying to say is like just going off your point there, you have to, you have to do self-audits. You have to play around because you won't know what works best for you. I think it's also fit for purpose. I mean, I'm 47. I'm not, I have no ambition to be an elite athlete. I'm just trying to stay healthy. Well, you just want to live to 100. I'd like to. St I'd like to live as long as I can and be as healthy as I can. You know, and maybe, you know, decline three months before I die and then die. Like I don't want to have you know chronic illness for a decade or two, or you know, be sore for the rest of my life. So if I can, if I can dial in a diet or dial in an, an exercise system that that um, you know helps me get there, then that I'm, that's all I need. And it seems to be working. Yeah, so. well, you, you want to be self-reliant. You you don't have to wait for, like, some medication to kind of help you through it um, just because of that doctor saying, like, you're always going to have these um, bronchitis and all that. You're just getting older. You're like, no, I'm going to take matters in my own hands. I'm in control of my health. Yeah. And I think that's a great viewpoint. I think that's what everyone should be doing, not relying on some medication or not saying, like, Oh, like all medications bad, but you, or big pharma companies are bad. But it's like, but you're putting the control in you, so you have more choices, and you're more functional in society. I think there's, I think the first thing that doctors, you know, and I'm not blaming doctors because this is might be just how they're trained or whatever. But the first thing they're that they often do is write a prescription for something when maybe that should be one of the last things they do. And there's lifestyle changes that can be made. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that, you know, I think that the, you know, the, the gym sector within, you know, the gym sector can, or the training, you know, coaching sector or whatever has a, can have a huge impact on people's health before having to go to the doctor. And I, I kind of did it backwards by going to the doctor and just not being happy with the response. But I know a lot of people who just go to the doctor and, and they think that's the only thing that they can do, that they're just destined to have pain in their shoulders forever or, or bronchitis forever. And, I, and having gone through you know, the process myself, I, I just don't, I don't think that's the full story. I think there's lots of things we can do to you know, help ourselves get better on our own. Mm -hmm. Now, what about your kids? Like when you started doing all the carnival diet, did they kind of look at it as like, dad, like this kind of little wacko or uh so my oldest son 14 he'll matt he's he loves meat so he'll eat as much meat as we give him 
he usually goes, I make lots of meat, obviously, for, for supper now. Or Oh, yeah, well, you have a smoker and yeah, like, the meat yeah, that smoker. you post on social media. I love it. Yeah, and, you know, we always, I always make either, like, sausage or bacon in the morning for breakfast. Um, Chris, he'll eat certain kinds of meat and other kinds of meat he's not, uh, not super jazzed about. He also, you know, if, if you start talking about them, about the meat as, as if they were real animals, they're not, you know, Chris is not super jazzed about eating animals. Yeah. He doesn't mind eating meat when it's a hamburger, but if you start talking about it like it's a cow, he's not super jazzed about that. So, you know, I'm sure that's a typical response with, with many kids. Oh, I think about it. Did you ever go to the farm when we did it with Maple Ridge? We, yeah, we, we Yeah, did where that. we met all the animals. And I remember some of the kids are like, I have a, like this, we shouldn't be eating them. And then Becky, I thought she did a great job. Actually, I want to get her on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And she was like, if you see the animal, you're going to have more respect for it. So when you eat it, you're going to understand it more versus wasting it, right? Yeah, I agree. We, um, we've tried doing that to, you know, uh, me and the boys went out and bought a quarter of a cow um, this past summer, and we actually went out to a farm out in Trenton, saw the farm, met the cow. Well, not the cow, but met a cow of part of the herd and whatever. So I think that kind of connection is important. Um, I think we don't, we don't do enough of it. Um, it's getting harder and harder to do it. But, yeah, I think hopefully the industry gets, you know, get sorted and can and kind of foster those um, relationships between you know the consumers and the f- and farmers because I think that's you know I, I think we become dis- disconnected with our food like yeah. where it, where it comes from yeah and I 100% because then if you understand where your food comes from you're not going to want to go to like a fast food joint where like you have no idea where it comes from you want to understand where your food comes from yeah yeah and I think I think we've also become a little more like kind of just tying into the whole paleo and and carnivore hunter gatherer i think we've become a little disconnected of where humans have come from and how we became humans so the whole like anthropology and the, you know the history of us being of humans being hunter gatherers a lot of that's kind of like you know we think we can eat you know synthetic food or, or lab grown meat and all that and i think that's a, a colossal mistake <laughs> yeah did you ever watch the movie game changers I did. I didn't care much for it. Yeah, I only got halfway through it. Yeah, I know. I'm sure we. I I'm. I know some people enjoyed it. Yeah, I had a hard. I had a hard time following it. Yeah. But one good thing about that is that they do say eat vegetables. That's always good. I know you're a carnivore yeah, guy, yeah, but I'm, I'm a little less of a believer in that. I think it's a. I think that uh, if you want optimal health. I think, you know, our roots as a human is, is omnivorous and, you know, hunter-gatherer. I think, uh, I think that meat is a, a, a necessity in our diet. Many people would disagree with me, and that's fine. If they, if, if they, if they found a way of eating that uh, works for them, then great. Gotcha. But I think if you, if you are denying the sort of anthropological roots of us humans being omnivores and hunter-gatherers, then... I think you're uh, potentially setting yourself up for some health issues. Well, now, how long have you been doing the fasting for? Uh, it's been close to, it's been probably close to three years now. Yeah. So I, I started doing, I started trying um, 
intermittent fasting. I didn't care much for that. I did a couple of longer fasts for like 60 hours, and I didn't care much for that. Um, the Why one not just because of like the... So the intermittent fasting, you know, you, you kind of have to have a small window of eating, and... Yeah, just quickly define it, because, well, inter intermittent <clears throat> fasting is like you fast every day, but you eat in a small window. Yeah, so you eat in a small window anywhere from four, some people eat just one meal a day even. Um, typically, a fasting window for an intermittent faster would be four to eight hours. So typically, you know, say let's say eight hours. So you'll eat at eight in the morning, and then you'll eat again at four o'clock, and then you're done. The kitchen is closed, you're no longer eating. And you'll spend 16 hours, you know, maybe the first of the first of those 16 hours, first eight to six to eight hours, you've digested your food, and the remaining eight hours, you're basically going without eating. And you know, the the idea being that um, after a while, you become fat adapted because after you've finished eating everything, you know, those hours that you're sleeping, um, you're probably going to start using your own body fat as energy. Um, to me, that didn't really work, or for us, it didn't work out. Um, Kim and I eat breakfast in the mornings together. It's kind of like our only time together. Um, only time, like, without the kids, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get up at, like, 6, six o'clock and have breakfast together, and that's kind of our time. And in order to, you know, do a, an intermittent fasting and have, like, our group family um, dinner then that window just wouldn't work for us. Mm -hmm. So and that, that's a very important dynamic to have that time with you and Kim. You yep. could sit down, slow it down a bit, and then be able to sit around the dinner table with the kids, right? Yeah. So the hour, you know, we, get, we have about an hour together in the morning that we, uh, that's just Kim and I, and then the boys get up. And, uh, yeah, we always eat dinner together around 5.36 as a family. So we, we don't want to give up either of those. Or I didn't want to give up either of those. I wasn't prepared to do the intermittent fasting window, and the if you make if you widen the eating window, it just didn't seem to work for it, work for us. So I decided I was just going to do one day a week, and just try that, and that seems to have worked out fairly well. So yeah, that's that's that. You know, the fasting isn't for everybody, but I like it. Um, gives me a chance to. Um, you know, make sure I'm um, in a state of ketosis um, for at least a few hours each week. And, um, you know, I'm probably in it for longer than that. But, you know, so my body can run on both fat and sugar. So, and I do that every week just to make sure. And this is all the self-experimentation, eh? Yep. And it, you know, for some people, um, you know, the first few few times you do it will be will be challenging. For me, it wasn't too too bad because we were already kind of paleo and low carb kind of living, and uh, yeah, so it, it wasn't too much of a of a difference for us. Um, yeah. I um, saw. So I was going to ask you. I guess you haven't had like a pizza. Eating. When was the last time you ate like a pizza? So, Kim makes a really good... Um, I know you do pizzas. Yeah, we do pizzas, which is like a, a meat crust. I've done that, yeah. It's delicious. Yeah, it's great. Um, Kim makes a pizza crust out of uh, almond flour 
and uh, tapioca starch. Um, but otherwise, it's probably been four or five years since I've had a, like a regular kind of pizza. You just have no desire or anything like that, eh? Not really. I, you know, I think, I think after a while your palate changes and you just get yeah. used to eating a certain way. And I know for some people they, we don't really call them cheat meals. We don't really have cheat meals. I'll occasionally have a beer or a glass of wine or something like that. But for the most part, I'm, you know, not interested in eating food that's not good for me. And I kind of think pizza's probably not good for me. I think once you, if you have the changes, like that's the other thing is, you know, having had bronchitis and, you know, inflammation in my joints and pain in my shoulders and, you know, allergies. I don't know if I mentioned that, but a lot of my allergies kind of went away, like seasonal allergies went away. You know, having all those things go away, I'm, I'm kind of now of the belief that I'm not interested in having them come back. And, you know, having, you know, quite often if, I've heard of people, I'm not really one of them, but, I, you know, I've heard of people who, you know, they have these cheat meals and it takes them a day or two to recover because... Well, they feel hungover. Yeah. Right? And they're, they're kind of foggy and stuff like that. Yeah, and I'm getting too old for that kind of feeling. Like, I, I, I had enough hangovers two decades ago. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not that, interested in You didn't want to live, relive the Calgary days. No, and, like, you saying, like, your shoulders, allergies, bronchitis. I remember going to this one seminar. It was in Montreal, and they, it was all about... Um, it was all about movement and like dealing with injuries and stuff. And they basically said usually it takes people about three, what was it? Three times, like three crises. Like the third time has to be the worst for them to actually go out and make a change. And what I mean by that is like someone has a knee issue. Like, oh, okay, they can't squat for a couple of weeks. Then it comes back and it's even worse. So they can't squat for a month or two. And then it happens again. And they're like, I have to go like six months without squatting. And usually they need something quite dramatic after the third time for them to start creating change. And to me, that just kind of makes sense with what you're saying because you have the three things there. Not saying three is the magic number, but it's like, because it could have happened twice, but usually you need a big episode to create some change. Yeah, I think I had enough, you know, like if I go back to my doctor appointment and say, you know, I had enough things that were like, bad enough that I was actually telling the doctor about him. Like, you know how you just kind of live with certain pains or certain certain discomforts? Oh, some people just like, oh, they think it's normal to be like that. Yeah, and I, that's, it's interesting you say that because I've heard that so many times, like that you're just getting older. It's like not just my doctor saying it, but that you just have to learn to live with it. I'm like, well, maybe you don't. If you, if you try different things, whether it be physiotherapy or changing your diet or actually, you know, joining a, an exercise plan that... Uh, or, or technique or whatever that, that will help you, you know, stay healthy, it, it can make a big difference. I think that's, I, I would never have, if I think about the big, the changes that, that we've made in the last five years with, you know, exercise and diet, and I, we haven't even touched on sleep, but we take our sleep really, really um, seriously. Um, you know, Kim and I go to bed pretty much at the same time and wake up at the same time every day. And we find, you know, even on weekends, you know, maybe we'll stay up a little later and watch a movie with the boys. Um, maybe there's a special, you know, special event that we go to, like a marriage or, or um, like a, a wedding, rather, or a, like some some type of social, you know, a, yeah, social get together, like we're gonna have in a few weeks, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, Christmas party. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So like, you know, we'll do that. But any other time, we're pretty. Uh, you know, if if we're past if we're up past ten o'clock, there's some there's usually a crisis or something because we're usually in bed at you know nine or nine thirty. 
No, and then that's completely like that's very healthy to be like that, right? The your body, because we even though like back in the old CrossFit days, like routines the enemy. Well, that was routine on like doing the same workout every day, but our body does crave routine of going to sleep, eating around the same time, like setting up these patterns, yep. right? And when you create these patterns, it does make it easier to live day to day. Yeah, and we've tried to, you know, getting into this whole ancestral living, you know type lifestyle where you try and go to sleep with the sun and wake up with the sun you know we've tried you know obviously that doesn't work for all seasons but we've we've more or less tried to stay going to bed at the same time and, and getting up at the same time and we found that it just you know our bodies almost naturally get up on their own well you don't need an alarm clock it, it we don't like we're kim and i we usually we wake up most people have this too but you know it's not unique to us but we'll wake up 10 minutes before our alarm goes off yeah. regularly because that's we our bodies are just kind of programmed to to wake up at the same time yeah. and that's great because you know Kim works at the same time every day and the boys need to get off at the same time every day so might as well like why would I disrupt that that uh, that routine because I end up paying for it for days yeah and um, it is healthy to wake up naturally like that when you don't need to rely on your alarm clock right yep. and i know some people are like well usually i wake up like an hour before my alarm clock but that's not from like a deep sound sleep right because they're having sleep issues yeah now do you take any supplements because i well i know you take some so let's hear the supplements yeah so i we've tried to get away from taking like synthetic supplements so we recently or i guess it's not that recent actually it's probably been about a year we've been taking um liver supplements so liver being like um you know the most nutrient dense food that there is and probably one of the most you know vitamin enriched foods that there there are do you ever eat liver on its own so i don't mind eating liver kim okay. is not a fan um like not even where you have it ground up and like say put it in a burger patty so i do that's what okay. i do yeah. i hide it in other things so i i'm i make pretty good meatloaf and i make uh occasionally some other type of ground meat like a taco mix type meat and um yeah i'll usually put a quarter quarter of the of the volume will be will be liver and uh nobody complains about it but liver on its own kim's not a fan uh, Matt would probably eat it. Chris is not so sure. Um, but when we can't do that, all four of us take like a liver, a liver capsule. And we recently started taking heart and kidney capsules. And that's just because we want to make sure that we're getting, um, you know, the, the vitamins and minerals that we're, that our bodies need, but, uh, we'd prefer to get them from as natural, natural as possible as yeah. possible. And, uh, we do take vitamin D during the winter time, but that's, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, just because yeah. we just don't have it in the winter time. Yeah. As much, I should yeah. say. Yeah. So other than that, we don't we get we try and get as many as much of our nutrients as we can from our food. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Because um, because yeah, because I was messaging you about taking those um liver pills. Because yep. I, because I ordered some, so I want to get some of that too. So good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Some people have said that they get. You know, it helps their energy levels. Um, we were already kind of down that path, so already eating liver and whatever. So I, I, we didn't see a huge jump in our energy, but that's what some people... Do you drink coffee? Uh, we do drink coffee. That's probably the one thing that... Uh, I drink probably like three cups of coffee a day. Now, do you find that you need coffee in the afternoon, or is it that first thing in the morning? 
No, I usually stop eating. I stop drinking coffee around 10. I'm done by 10 in yeah. the morning. Yeah, same here. Because I like I love the first cup of coffee. Like there's when you have a great sleep, you actually don't need coffee. That's one thing I've noticed. But I love the routine of drinking that first cup of coffee like in bed before you talk to anyone. Yeah, I'm I'm not so sure I can go without coffee. No, yeah, same here. One of the few things that one of my few vices yeah. is coffee. There's been times where we run out of coffee in the house and Tara's like she she, she gets nervous just cuz I I don't handle it very well. Yeah. Yeah. I I occasionally I will try um, and go for a day or two or I'll, I'll say that I'm going to go for a week or a month without coffee and I usually go for two days or maybe a day and I say, "Nope, that was a bad decision." Yeah. I'm just getting back on the back on the coffee train. Yeah, no, same here. Because, like, going back to like, if I have a great sleep, you only need like a cup. Bad sleep. Well, I know you 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 say you sleep great, but yeah, no, okay. Ryan, that was awesome. Yeah, it's good to chat, Bob. No, thank you so much for jumping on here. So, no problem. All right, enjoy the rest of the day, guys. Yeah.